Hello, everybody. I just want to uh, interject here before uh, Janet Lee plays her next and last song. She's going to be playing a song by the name The Hope. And uh, this song, The Hope, is the national anthem of Israel. And it has been with them um, as a song of hope for 125 years. Even during World War II, when the um, prisoners were being marched uh, in Auschwitz to the gas chambers, it is said that the prisoners were singing this song. And it's about the prophecies and the promises of God to Israel, that they would have a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where they could have peace and serenity. It is a beautiful song. And it sort of finalizes this collection of songs that Jan's been playing about wishes and about hope. And so here it is, The Hope.
Why do I feel something so deep inside when I hear that song played? It just has spiritual virtue. It has stories. Stories that are just insurmountable to totally understand in their fullness. There's a beauty there. Thank you, Janet Lee. Your presentation was awesome as usual. So now today, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Those of you who are listening now and those of you who will be listening a little later, God bless all of you. Today, part four, Seven Thunders Before Genesis. We will start off talking about more names because that is an important subject. And we have to really, really, really understand just how important that that is. You know, um, in the Bible, etymology, um, which is the study of the actual root word meanings, has a relationship to allegorical interpretation. Many given Hebrew names were semantically transparent. Ezekiel, for instance, meant let God strengthen. A name was not just a conventional label. It had a message to convey. Often there is no interpretation of such truths that have been given to the majority of the people. And, you know, this is a serious time on the earth there's a lot of um, of population expansion there's a lot of incarnated ophanims on this earth now and there are many many people out there that do not know they do not know the truth and there are a lot of people out there who are giving misinformation now, it's quite interesting, though, and just to be merciful, God says that through Jesus that those who have taught the truth, that the Lord will say to them, come, come and, and enter in. But he said, you know, there will be some of those people who have taught, but they have, they have taught some things that are not truth. And it said that they will be called the least in the kingdom of God. But you know, that is mercy, isn't it? That God is considering that some of these people who are misteaching, that they're not just cast off into the great hole of darkness, <clears throat> that there is still mercy. I think it's really important at this time to understand that these sessions that we are doing on a kind of manifestorium of, of truth are really serious and very serious because when you listen to these things, you become accountable. Now that is Bible and we're going to talk about that. You know, God doesn't necessarily hold it against people 
who do not know until the day comes when it is past that they were wrong, that they didn't have the right thing. God wants everybody to have an opportunity to know. We see that in John fifteen twenty one through 22, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. People do things because they don't know who has the truth. They say things, they think things for the same reason. Even with all the miracles and the performances that Jesus gave, they did not know that he had the truth. He said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That became a prerequisite for being forgiven, not having knowledge, not really understanding. In the first letter to the Corinthians, it says, If they had known these truths of the mysteries of God that were evident before the world, they would not have crucified Christ Jesus. They wouldn't have done it. It happened because of a lack of knowledge. The Bible says, Without a vision, the people perish. So then, because of a lack of knowledge, we have Christ being crucified, past case, and we have people in sin, and the greater the amount of ignorance, the greater the predisposition of sin, and there is the greater possibility for the potential that one might be a partaker, even a principle in things that could be absolutely against what the righteous causes of God are. So, really get into these things that we're teaching you. I know some of them sound far out and difficult because of their density to perceive. But if you will really seek the Lord through the Holy Spirit, the Bible promises that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. That is the Word of God. And so you, you have that kind of promise, that, that kind of, of promise that God will not just forsake you on being able to know what the truth is. Blessed be the name of God. There are many spiritual discoveries that must be exercised for all the people to be able to receive and, and, and uh, because without these discoveries, things will continue to be a religious blur. The community of essence wrote in the text of Nahum, he, he rebukes the sea. At that time, the sea was Kittim, the Greek ruler of Syria. It is so important to understand when we read words and terms in the Bible their symbolisms, their, their transconveyance of meaning, their metaphors, their parab parable aspects. It is so important, the, the power to discover the other side of the symbol or the metaphor. Light transfigured to, uh, to spiritual light. 
earthly space transfigured to spiritual uh, radiance. The icon of an image given as as a special a special meaning. You know, if you go back in time when they first developed the the optophone, and this is way back, it was an instrument converting light into sound, and so enabling the blind to read print by ear. Greek optics, Greek optics, seem to seen and phone is the meaning. O P T O S, optos. So the optophone, an instrument converting light into sound. There is something when we we take the light in the Bible, and we understand it in one magnitude, and then as we begin to convert it into deeper and higher magnitudes, moving it from the surface level to the 30-fold, and then from the 30-fold to the 60-fold, and then from the 60-fold to the 100-fold. And it becomes like this this, uh, optophone, an instrument that converts the light into sound, like the soundtron, and enables the blind to read the print by ear. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Like in in 1923, that's a long time ago, before I was born, techniques developed for transcribing the various impulses of sound waves. Now this was really advanced in that day. And they, they figured a way to, to transcribe to the, the varying, Im, varying impulses of sound waves into varying impulses of light. They converted it, they went just the opposite. This first optophone was converting light into sound. But this next one was converting sound waves back into light. And by doing that, they, they could uh, be photographed on a strip of film. And the developed film, when passed between a light source and a photoelectric uh, 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 source cell, in the, trans, uh, in the projector was transformed into film and via the varying densities Back into a back into electric voltage that can be amplified. Wow! Light into amplified sound. So, this was no doubt in the beginning of when they were able to start putting sound into the movies, which before that they were called the silent movies. There has always been a time when there was not something a certain way. And then along came an invention, and along came a new way of being able to see things that never could be seen, never could be heard before. And if you would just mention that to people, well, one of these days there's going to be this capability to convert light into sound. And one of these days there's going to be this capability to convert sound into various types of impulses that 
will provide uh, photographic strips of film that can then be transferred with varying densities and voltages so the, so the sound is amplified. And, and people would say, ah, oh, you are just absolutely insane. You are crazy. That's just impossible for something like that. If God wanted us to have that, we'd already have it. And that's just insane, you talking about that. Well, you know, that is still the way it is in this day and age in which we live. When you talk about, you know, flying craft, vehicles flying in the skies, in the heavens of our earth, there are some people that they just get turned off. I know I've heard it rumored. No one's ever said it to me directly. But I've heard it rumored that there are some people that have said that, oh, there's so many beautiful things taught in the manifest teachings, in the blogs and so forth, but they just get so turned off when they start reading about the Ziths and these, the revelation of these, what, what formerly has been called UFOs. And that's because they don't understand any more than some of the people did in these days when the, the optophone and, and, and these other uh, inventions were, were made. They don't understand that God is moving by his spirit across the earth and that there are signs and wonders, not just on earth, but also in the heavens. And God is making that real to his people in this day and in this age. He's taken us beyond ourselves. He's taken us into an elevated mind so that we can be ready for the things of the future. Wow, it's, it's, it's interesting. There are threshold values of hearing and feeling <clears throat> of the function of the, of the frequencies of nature. And God is wanting to bring us in. It's just like, you know, there are d division lines. A sound less than 20 hertz is called infrasonic. But a sound that is more than 20,000 uh, hertz is called ultrasonic. So you have to understand there are lines of division. Are you in the infrasonic mentality? And you are just not being able to hear the, the word of God, the, the deep word of God, the 30, 60, 100 fold? Are you not being able to understand? And are you constantly programming your brain saying, I just can't understand it. I just can't understand it. It's just beyond me. I can't understand it. And you're programming your, your brain. And God is dealing with the people today. You know, you want to get out of that dead room that has no resonance. You're in a dead room of thinking. You're in a dead room of mentality. And God wants, God wants to take you out of that dead room. He, he wants to bring you into, you know, a new place with the Lord. Because God has a plan for your life. You know, some people, when they talk about Jesus Christ, and they're just in the beginning stages of, of learning about the gospel and the words of, of Christ, they think at first in sight that Christ is simple and, and, and everything that he teaches is simple. But a person who knows Christ by the Holy Spirit knows differently. 
they begin to get into the deep word. Words so deep that Jesus said, you cannot bear to hear these things now. Words so deep that Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it was so deep that people just says, I, I, no, I, I can't take that. I can't, I can't handle that. And they left. These deep things, God is beckoning to you to listen to and to learn. And we're going to get into some deep things today, believe me. This book of the seven thunders speak before Genesis is a, is a live and living wire of spiritual transfer. And it needs to go into you. Blessed be the name of God. You, you've got to become like Abraham. Hebrew, Hebrews 11.18 says he went out not knowing whether he went. Sometimes you've got to step into this word saying, okay, I'm not sure where this is leading me, but I feel the Holy presence, and I, I hear the name Jesus Christ, and he's my common denominator. And Jesus Christ is loved, and Jesus Christ is taught, taught in this ministry. And I'm going to I'm going to get into this into this baptism. He went out not knowing whether he went. Sometimes you have to do that. Now, you're not always 100% ready to get into the deeper insight. Sometimes it's like in Psalm 70 uh, 97:2, clouds and darkness are around about him. Sometimes those clouds and, and darkness, which are deep renderings and deep, incredible revelations, make it very difficult for some people to really know Christ by the deeper insight. But the Bible says you must be born again from above. Now, I had a brother the other day say, you know, when I would hear you say that, you must be born again from above, he said, I thought, well, that's, that's, that's not what the Scripture says. He, he, he must be making a mistake when he says that. But he said, you know, I just got to looking up the Scripture and looking up the, the Greek concordance. And sure enough, he says, there it was. Right in the Greek concordance, be born again from above. God is moving by his Spirit. You may be in the place that is like when Jesus said in John thirteen thirteen. Whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Sometimes you have to understand that you may not be able to perceive all of the, the deep revelations right now, but you are, are doing the same thing that a farmer does. He sows seed out into the clots of the earth. And he might look at it day after day and see nothing. But then one day comes the rain. Then one, one day comes a green little sprout that comes up through a clot of, of dirt. And it's the beginning. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. It's just amazing. Whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And he breathed on them and said, Believe, receive the Holy Spirit. And God is breathing on you now. It, Pentecost hasn't come yet in that sense of that time he spoke. 
but it was already actuated. It was like in the book of Genesis when he said before there were any trees or plants growing upon the earth. He said they existed in heaven, in, in the thought, in, in, in the mind, in, in the plan, in the configuration, in the pattern. They existed in the soundtron. John fourteen nine. I ha have I been with you so long a time, and yet thou hast not known me? How long do you intend to be in the camp of Jesus Christ and linger in the third grade? How long before you will hear what Paul says by the Spirit, laying aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrines of Jesus Christ? The baptisms, the resurrection, the laying on of hands, etc., etc. Let us go on to perfection. God is dealing with you. There's a deeper insight. The first insight says it's expedient that I go away. But the deeper insight, Galatians 1, 15, 16 says, It pleased God to reveal his Son in me. The first time that people knew Christ as disciples, they knew him by the flesh, in the human mode. And Jesus said, I, I have to go away. It's expedient. If I don't go away, that will prevent the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's expedient that I go away. And then could be written, like by Paul, in Galatians 1, 15 through 16, it pleased God to reveal his Son in me. John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. God is dealing with his people to understand. Like right now, we all with open face, the Bible say, says, are, are beholding as a, a glass the glory of the Lord, and are changed into the same image. Depending on what you are able to see in that open glass, depending on the level of your insight, depending on the level of your revelation, depending on the level as God is dealing with your soul, your spirit, your person, is going to be the difference to the degree of how you are changed from image into image. The deeper insight of reflecting the glory of God is transfiguring the commandment to invert. Inversion is like Matthew 10:27, what I tell you in darkness, that speak you in light. What you hear in the ear, that preach you upon the housetop. The gift of God is the promise that makes our visions and prayers real. Wow. And you're going to go sometimes through the valley of the shadow of death. And there are awful experiences that sometimes people have to experience. Like Abraham, when he wrote from this experience that was so dreadful and scary to him. And when he, he wrote about it, you know, he, he told about uh, in Genesis fifteen twelve. A whore, 
of great darkness fell upon me. Or the Bible telling it says upon him. Sometimes a horror of a great darkness can fall upon a person. And it can be a spirit of depression. Depression can be very destructive. It can, in just a matter of hours and days, it can strip you like paint stripper. Take away the color from out of your life. Take away the decorations from out of your life. The embellishments. And just leave it gray and and, and vacant of, of the divine message of joy and hope. Of the, the wishes that you've always had and believed would come true. Of your dreams that you always believed you would be able to see come true. Isaiah forty twenty six says, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who has created all these things. Don't get out of context. Don't get to saying, Well, I'll tell you what, this government we've got is destroying everything. Or these particular people, or this particular group, they're destroying everything. Who's your God? Are they your God? Are you more interested in spending time and 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 working on your theories, looking at all these things that are being done? It's time to lift up your eyes on high and behold who's created everything. Wow. It's time to remember the word in Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose imagination is stayed upon thee. Is your imagination starved and dormant? If it's not, and your imagination is stayed upon the Lord, then you can have perfect peace no matter what is going on out there in the world. And the scripture would say to you in John fourteen thirty one, Come on, arise. Let us go hence. <laughs> Let us go hence to that place where you can have the perfect peace. Or Isaiah 61, Arise and shine. Wow. In other words, there are sometimes there are things that really, although they have a certain equity as a warning and so forth, there is some value there. There are some times, though, that God is really saying, you know, you're being weighed in the balance. Where are you at in this being weighed in the balance? Are you spending more time with things that have to do with perplexities and fears and anxieties and stresses? Because if you are, then it is that time in your life, as written in Psalms 46.10, to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that God is God. That's what the message is. And Acts 26.19 was something beautiful that Paul said to Agrippa. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That is so important that you don't allow anything to distract you. That you don't allow anything to lead you away from the beauty and the glory and the plan of God. The plan that belong to you, as it says in Corinthians, before the foundation of the world. Those glories belong to you before the foundations of the world. You don't want to get away from that. You don't want 
to put that into something small and not important. And God is speaking to the people here today that are listening to this message and those of the future that will be listening. As, in, as it says in Revelations 4.1, Come up hither, I will show you these things. You, you have to move out of that shallow dip that you are in, that you dived into in your days of desperation and despondency, in your days of, of question, in your days of wondering how could some of these awful things be happening, the horror of darkness. But God is calling you out of that horror of darkness. And he will purify all those situations in his own time. Sometimes God sends someone, like when Peter went to Paul and said, The Lord hath sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight. Sometimes God has people that are, they are, anointed with a manifest revelation. They are anointed not because they're better than anyone else or chosen above anyone else. They are anointed because God selects whom he will select for when he will select them and anoints those people despite themselves to carry forth a word. John twelve thirty six said about those kind of things. When you've got someone that's preaching the truth, when you've got someone that's ministering a manifest revelation, you're hearing things you've never ever heard before. When you know down deep inside as you hear these things that they're true, that they're real, and you have this witness inside of you. In John twelve thirty six it says, While ye have the light, believe in the light. Second Peter eleven, uh, pardon me. Second Peter one five, add to your faith virtue, furnish your faith with resolution. It's from the Mofat interpretation. Wow, it's exciting times, ladies and gentlemen. And like I said earlier, without a vision, the people perish. One of these days, God wants you to be so trained in the knowledge of the Lord. Be so geared up, have, have anointed the loins of your mind to where the dangling questions have been resolved. And you can fulfill that scripture in John sixteen twenty three, And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Revelations 1, 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. But you know, the clouds will not bother you. They won't. <clears throat> Why? Because you will know that those clouds are cumulus nimbus, which means they are rain clouds. You will know that. <clears throat> you will know there's coming a rain. Romans 8.26 We know not what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is wanting to have intercessions 
right through you in your innermost being. Wants to groan and make intercessions with groanings that can't be uttered. If you will draw nigh to God, James 4, 8, God will draw nigh to you. <clears throat> no matter how time seems to add up and things do not seem to be happening that you've been hoping for and expecting, Habakkuk 2, 3, though it tarry, wait for it. Wow. I know I read those verses before, but I wanted to read them with the punctuation of explanation, which I didn't get a chance to really do last time because they were so very, very important verses. Now, on our list of the prelude we gave to you in the announcement <coughs> of our teaching this week was... Um, about more on names. So if you would turn with me to page 48 in your book of the Seven Thunders Speak. <clears throat> and if there's any of you people out there that still don't have a book, my Lord, I've got just, I've got a few left. But my Lord, you need to get one of these books because this is a time of, uh, of, of a lifetime. This is a journey that is, is just absolutely incredible. Page 48. I saw flying names of Yahweh that were lit up like twinkling stars. The Manifester. Names. Here's names that most people are not really familiar with. Be all, BM, Beom, BN, and beyond. There's a hyphen in between these words right after every use of the word be, be. So we start here with be all, the many one, the whole of all potential, the reality of what can ever be, the BM, the I am who is the life of all existence and who is the all in all things and the all of time and timelessness. Yes, the be all is the Lord of hosts, the I am and I am. He's above all, he's in all, he's through all, he's about all, he's all knowing, he's all seeing and he's all loving. That's a beautiful name, the be all. It's a, it's a cognitive insight. As you begin to have an understanding of these names that give you a, a placement of mind that, that bring you into transfigured designations. BM, totally related to the be-all, the I am, <clears throat> who is the life of all existence and who is the all in all of time and timelessness. There can be a time that the, the be-all is only being expressed in the first domain. Then comes the time that the be-all is being expressed in the making of a universe and in the making of new potential 
uh, entities that could have could come into having a soul. Not a body soul alone, but also a spirit soul. And that then is why there would be importance of the BM. I am in you, the hope of glory. The the aspect of of being the name BM in the universe. There's the, the spiritual aspect. There's the physical aspect. And yet, entwined within the meaning of this word is a fulfillment of time and timelessness. Because it twills between both of those. And it's such a beautiful thing when a person begins to come into the knowledge of these names. And if I was to really minister to you in the fullest sense upon the ministry of these names, just these names would take me all of this session. And I have too much to share to, to do that. But there is so much here. Biome. Now this is a name that um, you hear the one part of it. The um, the Hindus are into that name, Om, Om, but it is a powerful name. It doesn't matter who else is in it. Uh, I I never believe that someone might say, "Oh, that's New Age." They're into that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They mention the the you know things like like the the rainbow, and so we don't ever mention the rainbow because New Age does that really. You mean to tell me that you're letting, you're allowing and letting someone's uh, faith and belief that's different from yours lock you out from such a beautiful thing that was a covenant of God that God gave to people on earth as the rainbow? You would let that lock you out because they are into it? Why shame on you? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't care who has it, what denomination. What religion? If it's something of God, I don't want to be locked out just because it's also associated within some religion that is not the same as I, what I believe. I am not going to have my thunder taken out of my skies or my lightning stripped away so there are no flashes that ripple across the earth. Biom, a state of existence, is something that is materialized and still has spiritual existence. The I am as applied to the invisible ultimate God in manifested form. And we're going to get more into that really a little later. Uh, where we start talking about the ghost of God being the Holy Ghost. I am who is, as applied to God I am, of timelessness, the always present, the I am who always is. When you get into the realities of God and the difference as those realities apply between the first domain, the heaven of heavens, 
and the physical realms of the universe. It is very enlightening, and it is a surge of merging to the mind to understand these names and to, to be able to give credit unto these names because they all bring forth an image. And those images many times are, are patterns of the heavenlies. B-N, B-E hyphen capital E-N, B-N. A physical infinity term as meaning was, were, as representing the God I am who always was. We don't just have Alpha as a name in the Bible of God, but we have Alpha and Omega. And while those two words are different words, designating a beginning and an end, they still have merging qualities. So it's very important as we understand that, to understand this BN in the sense of the physical infinitive, uh, infinity term. Because I, I never think of God, uh, the invisible ultimate God, as was. Uh, I, I don't think that was can be, can be applied to uh, the ultimate, never-changing, invisible God of the, of the heaven of heavens, the first domain. I don't think was can be applied, that there was ever any time that he was a was. But in the physical domain, it, it can and does apply and ha has importance as to the past that the experiences that other people have had that lived generations before you have experienced this being God who was back there in that time expressing and blessing and loving those people just as he is now in the is time where you are expressing and loving the people at this time. And then the beyond, as meaning to be, as in the physical infinity, the future, as representing the invisible ultimate God I am of the physical infinite future. Now the invisible ultimate God never leaves the first domain by his first presence. But his second presence as the Holy Ghost and that's why it's called ghost, is in the universe, throughout the universe. And so the beyond, uh, you know, is important because it ties into the, the opposite of the BN, which is more like alpha, and the beyond is more like omega. And yet there is an attachment to both those names as beginning and end. But people don't really totally understand the fullest meaning and application of the word beginning, nor do they fully understand the application of the total meaning of the word end. 
And so many, many times something that is just a disposition a dispensation and is going to pass from from one state to another state and perform a new beginning is a different kind of ending. It's like this um, video I saw the other day, The Journey of the Butterflies. And, and uh, if you have not seen that video, I wholeheartedly recommend it to you. It is not only a literal photograph of video. I, I'd almost like to call it magic. He did such a wondrous job of covering the the literal aspects and and the journey the the, the over a thousand miles that that these butterflies travel, but it's broken down into these different segments, and where uh, these butterflies produce a generation after this long journey, and it goes like from Mexico to say Texas, and they only live maybe a month to two months. Then another generation takes over, and they live for uh, another short period of time, and and uh, they make it for a month or two. Then a fourth generation ends up in Canada, and they're the one that ends up taking the thousand-mile journey again. And instead of just living for one or two months, they live for nine months or longer. And it it, it is an incre- there's something very spiritual, and transcending and transcendental about that film by Nova. I recommend everybody to get that or, or to look it up and see if it's playing somewhere on 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 your uh, network of uh, television station or or buy it because uh, it it is really beautiful. And so yes, there's a journey. And sometimes a journey when we say it's the end of a dispensation, people say, "Well, that's it." It's like it's like the caterpillar or this little this little uh, worm, whatever you want to call it, insect that that has no wings and and crawls on its legs and you know. But then he goes into this cocoon and when he comes out, he's totally transformed. It's a total transfiguration. And so his life hasn't ended, but it's the end of a dispensation, and a new dispensation begins with a new kind of transformation. And so many times. A transformation is uh, to be applied along that understanding. The end is not the end of all things. I think that um, people have such a, a pathetic misunderstanding so many times of when they start talking about you know, end of the world and all those kind of things. You know, the, the Bible um, is really quite emphatic uh, about some things about uh, time and uh you know like um <clears throat> in the book of psalms uh it tells us how that uh you know time is just going to go on a whole lot longer than what people think it's just going to go on a whole lot longer than what people think and the bible says that the earth is going to is going to endure and as a garment and um, and that it will just be, um, you know, become folded as a garment, and the people of the planet in the in the in, a, in the like manner. 
So people are going to, you know, live for long uh, years, the Bible says. And uh, Lord willing, we'll <coughs> share more with that as uh, we get on into this the subject of, uh, you know, the names of God and, and, and the various things along that, that line. Names of God, you know, and names of names in the Bible. Like in the Hebrew, the word Hayah, H-A-Y-A-H, incorporates in its meaning perpetuity of the person, a God-deity aspect that is in a person, which incorporates that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. In that word, Hayah. Now in the word Hava, it incorporates the how of to be. And we were talking about these words like, you know, uh, the to be and all those kind of words. And um, the number uh, of the person, of the, the who, the which, the what, the that, the when, and the where. The hava incorporates all of those things. And so these names are really very important to understand. They're they're very important to have, you know, have an understanding of, of the meaning of because without an understanding of it, you know, you you just uh, are are not going to get to the places of knowledge that God wants you to get. It just is not going to happen. So, blessed be the name of God. You know, uh, understanding words uh, is going to is going to. Uh, you know, help us to understand things like, uh, you know, when I've explained to you in, in Psalms 68, the the, um, uh, the word shinon, uh, which is um, uh, pronunciation of the word uh, uh, in one style of saying it uh, and can be pr- pronounced and spelt different than I spell it. But it, it is uh, definitely uh, the only case in the Bible in the 68th uh, chapter of Psalms, where that name is ever used and interpreted as angels, and is talking about really the the the, the people from the Father's house, and and, and then it lists them as, as there being twenty thousand, twenty thousand spacecraft with with twenty thousand angels, and, and this is all part of the prophecy of Enoch, who said the Lord cometh with tens of thousands of his saints in the book of Jude. So it was all prophesied. And and we've got like these words and and if we don't allow ourselves to to look at this and say, well, you know, what did this mean? Why was that put there? Yes, it does say that there was twenty thousand twenty thousand of these chariots of God hovering over the the mountain where the, the commandments were given. And we've got to get into these words. Words are important. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. So God is um, is speaking. I'll tell you, I just feel his spirit here really speaking in, a, in an important way. Uh, you know, uh, like, like I think that um, that people need to really open up to this thing about the continuum of the plan of God. And that everything isn't just based about the earth. There's a whole lot more 
then it's just based about the earth. You know, we were preaching in this this uh, the last uh, message uh, series uh, that the universe without the first domain, which is symbolic of spirit, because the whole first domain is a spirit, uh, you know, uh, domain. Uh, so the universe without the first domain, the spirit, is dead. And so this universe only has life and reality because there is the first domain spirit that is 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 allowing it to have life and is giving, giving it life. And um, there are so many things, like uh, we get into names. I've done this teaching on the 70,000 years and, and how the, the 70 is so important, how that when Jesus came to, uh, or when Peter came to Jesus and he said, shall I forgive someone seven times? And he said, no, seven times seven. And, uh, and, and you know, we were revealed uh, many, many things how that uh, there are spiritual issues that have to do with names, that have to do with numbers. The, the Bible before the... English Bibles and other Bibles that were made um, was the Septuagint, and it was it's quoted uh, several times in the New Testament. And I know that you know some people don't uh, agree with the some of the interpretations of the Septuagint, which was uh, translated into Greek and then into English. But you know the name Septuagint means seventy. That whole Bible, the name means 70. Now, don't think that 70 is an insignificant name, that you would have a, a Bible that goes way, way, way back in time, and that it was the main Bible. It was what was in existence in the days of Jesus. And, and it, it, it means 70. And so that term 70, you know, is, is really incredible. Now, we know that in Judges 5.20, in the King James, it says, they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against um, Sisera. That's in the book of Judges, 520. There is, a, there is still a war again of, of principalities and power, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, that is going on. And, and, but if, if we can even begin to believe then we can know that God will have the angels on our side. They will be warring from heaven on our side. And, and that, that is beautiful. Now, who would ever think on the revelation of this, you know, this 70,000, uh, that it would have such deep meanings as it does as we are dealing with the dimensions and names. Um, we were teaching in the last series how that there was going to be a millennium, and that's in Revelations 24 through 7. And we were teaching that in the first half of that, of that millennium, that the people of, that are, were in the millennium, that they were going to be involved tearing down all the old artifacts of the city, and and they were going to tear it down. And someone says, "What? I never heard of such a ridiculous thing." Well, 
God have per- mercy on you that you've never heard it. You must have not listened to my teaching. You need to listen this time because it is Bible. And and why are they going to do this? Well, because there is a a holy city that's descending from heaven. And it's not just like something that is like a house. This is something that is miles and miles and miles in various widths and depths. And it, it is huge. It, it's going to take up all of the property of the city of Jerusalem. And and someone says, well, that is literal or is that just a spiritual thing? It's spiritual and literal. And it's coming down from out of heaven and going to descend. And it, it is what we call in the manifest a planodome. Now, a planodome is a spacecraft that is just huge. It's it's like a minor. Uh, it, it can it can be like the size of a minor Earth, or it can be much smaller than that. But it has complete and living things. And this planetome is coming down from the heavens. Well, what does it mean down from heaven? It's coming down from the Father's house. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that it was built on the planet Artura, the Father's house, that it was built on that planet. And so it's an Artursian planetome, and it is built for the very purpose of coming down as the holy city, Jerusalem. And, and the Lord said, come up here, hither, John, and I will show you the new Jerusalem that's coming down out of heaven. Where, where did you think the new Jerusalem was going to be put? You think it was going to be put out in the desert somewhere? No, it's going to be put right where it's supposed to be put according to all the prophecies in the Bible. Now, wh- why would they need that old, old Jerusalem anymore? Where pagan worships have happened? Ezekiel had a, a, an experience where he broke through a hole in a wall and he saw that some of the ancient elders were involved in worshiping images secretly that were not of God. All of that past history of sin is going to be wiped out. Well, are they going to be restoring uh, the the temple? Are they going to be restoring the the outer court where they offer the sacrifices to animals and they kill them and sprinkle the blood? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. These people are going to be under the millennium, which is under the kingship of Jesus Christ. These Jews are going to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And they already have the lamb as a sacrifice, and they are not going to be ever doing the sacrifice in this new Jerusalem again. It's not going to ever happen there. Not that it's ever happened in the New Jerusalem, but in the sense of it having been in the Old Jerusalem, it's not going to happen in the New Jerusalem. Because that represents a doctrine that is passé, it's to the past. It does not belong to the present or the future. So this planetome is built 
in heaven. Now, it's not built in the first domain, the heaven of heavens, because that is a state of perfect love and and unchanging. And there's no there's nothing physical in the heaven of heaven. It's, it's all spirit. That's why the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Nothing physical will be in the kingdom of heaven. It's all spirit. The day comes, Jesus said, that they that worship God will worship him in the spirit and in truth. Not in this mountain or that mountain of, of the earth, but in spirit. That is the spirit-to-spirit -spirit truth revelation. And so this planetome has been built on the planet called the Father's House. And it's coming down from heaven, which is one of the other names for that planet. And I've explained that in some of my other teachings. Now, has such a planetome type of thing ever been on the earth before? Well, in the Holy Manifest, the book of the Holy Manifest, the revelation given by Michael the Archangel, it says that there was a, a planetome type of thing that came down in the Garden of Eden. And, and, and Adam and Eve would be able to go into it, and the angels would train them in spiritual things. Now, when we are reading about them leaving the garden, we read about how that they were sent out of the garden, and then there was these cherubims with these flaming swords turning every which way. Oh, it is so important to understand the Word of God. It is so important not to be ignorant and be in superstitious darkness. You think that there's two angels standing there day and night with this little sword, and they're just twirling around and going around and around every which way <laughs> to keep the tree of life? And how long is that sword? Is it long enough that it's going to keep... Because they're putting it on the east, east, east border of the Garden of Eden, just right up next against the West Garden, which is the Garden of the Gihon, the Serpent People. And how are they going to guard, guard that whole, whole border? Is it, is it because that their, songs can, their, their swords can just all of a sudden elongate? <laughs> oh, why do people get so, so simplistic in ignorance? In the Hebrew word of flaming found in the Strong's Concordance 3858, it says that it, it can be like a blaze or it, it can be like from an idea of enwrapping. Almost a kind of magic as covert, like a special operation, a flaming and, and an enchantment. Well, we know that in uh, the Hebrew Concordance number 3851, it talks about flame, and it's described as glittering and flashing. Well, that's the same kind of thing that Moses saw that landed with an angel in the burning, that he called the burning bush. It wasn't a burning bush in the sense of a bush that was burning. It was a zith, a, a, a spacecraft, 
and uh, and one day I, if I have the time, to do a a pesher and a, a interpretation of the Hebrew, I'll show you how that the Bible actually teaches that. It actually describes the metal, the polished metal, and all the flashing and the shining that comes from off of it. And so this glittering and 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 flashing, you know, is it's like it says from a point of a weapon. Well, because what was the mission of them down there? That's what you have to understand what their mission was. How long were they to stand there? Just stand there forever? And now all of a sudden, Eden, which was a physical place, is turned into a different dimension, and you can't see it, but those angels are still there after all these years with that flaming sword trying to keep anybody from finding the tree of life? Oh, come on. That is just absolutely ignorant and pathetic. If you read carefully in the Word, like in 27.19 for the word sword, it's about a cutting instrument. And we also know that the Word of God is a two-edged sword. And the whole purpose of that interpretation of, of, of 27.19 is to show, is to make Eden to become desolate and to move the tree of life to the Father's house. And there's a scripture in Ezekiel that tells about the transplanting of that tree of life. And I don't have time to get into that today, but it is there. And Eden was made desolate. And that was what the job of this planetome type of landing was about with the cherubs. And in the scripture it says that their swords turned every way, uh, which in, is given in uh, the Hebrew 2015 of Strong's Concordance. And it means back to the contrary, going back to what it was before it was the Garden of Eden, going back to the contrary in every way. And so that was what that was about. It was about turning that place into a desolate place so that not only would Adam and Eve and his offspring not be able to access the tree and live forever, but neither would any of the Gihon or Hedekel or any of these other pre-Adamic uh, humans that were still around be able to do it either. Psalms 104.4 and Hebrew 1.7 says, Who maketh his angels, spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. So we know that the term flaming fire is not contracted to mean only one uh, thing. That it can be talking about individuals and entities, just as it mentions the cherubim. And a very interesting verse that I think really goes along with that whole thing is in Psalms 18.10. And I, I think I'll just read that from there. And it says that he bowed the heavens. And I, I could see how that many times in the Bible, especially in Psalms, that David, speaking by the Holy Ghost, 
reveals parts of things about the past and parts of things about the future, like about Jesus, but also things about the past. And you can almost see this applying to the Garden of Eden. Verse 9 of the 18th chapter of Psalms. And he bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub. Now, if you look up the word cherub, he rode upon a cherub. The word is cherubim. He rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind, and he made darkness his secret place, his pavilion around about him were dark waters, and of course there's meaning of that, and thick clouds of the sky. Wow. As we begin to get into these revelations like this, we begin to see that there was a plan, a beautiful plan that God had, but it got decoyed, it got detoured. He rode upon a cherub and did fly. He, he came down to the secret place, his pavilion. He came to remove the tree of life. He came to remove the pavilion, the planetome that was set there for Adam and Eve, which the, the Holy Manifest tells us about. And there's a scripture right there verifying it. You have to have your mind to be opened unto the word. But it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so, I told you about that scripture in Isaiah 51, 6, about the earth will wax old like a garment and the people likewise. Sounds like to me that the earth is going to go on for a long, long time. A long, long time. Now, this is quite the revelation that I'm sharing with you, but that's only a part of it. Because Jerusalem built on the planet of the Father's house. It's coming down on earth. Well, and we, we can see that the Bible is very clear in the 10th chapter of, of the book of 10th chapter, 16th verse in the book of John, that it says, I have other sheep, not of this fold. Now, I've read to you many times, you know, but I haven't revealed this to you before. And I want to reveal it to you today. This will be the first time I've ever revealed this. In... in Isaiah 51, 16, it says, I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Now, we have taught that as Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And we have shown that he, his example of what was going to happen in the days of the coming of the Son of Man was two would be at the mill, two, one would be taken, one left, two would be at the, you know, in bed, one taken, one left, two in the field, one taken, one left. And how that this rapture, they were going to meet with the angels from the four corners of the earth 
in the air and be taken away. And that as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be like that. So we know then that in the days of Noah, there was an event like that of rapture. And we know that that was to do with Enoch and his offspring. Now, Enoch and his offspring, although they are not part of the Abrahamic covenant, because they were before the Abrahamic covenant, and although they include Melchizedek, who did not have any, any uh, relatives on earth or family on earth, mother, father, brothers, sisters on earth, because his family was in the, the, the uh, father's house domain. There is something I want to share with you because this is really beautiful. When we talk about this life being planted on other planets, we already have one fulfillment, and actually more than one, because this other planet called the Father's house, people from the earth have been planted there. So there's already one fulfillment of this chapter in Isaiah 51:16. Now, when I'm able to bring you into the teachings of the Father's house from the Holy Manifest, and I will show you some of these very colorful individuals that God's revealed to me by the name of T.T.T.T. and Kawa, and how that those particular two nobles type of people they also went out and they started a planet of, of small people. The planet's name is Cebo, C-E-B-O. And these are soulless people, but they will have a chance to, be, to beget souls. And so there is already, as a result of these humans, of which the prophecy I received a long time ago says, when you look into space, you will see your own face. These people are humans. They're from earth. And they are already being used to fulfill this prophecy in Isaiah 51, 16. It's now being done by the offspring of Enoch. Planet Sebo and, and the Father's house are the realms of Artura. And so it's really beautiful. And it's awesome. And they're involved in this planetome. They've built that and it's and they have the knowledge to build that and then have it come down and, and this new Jerusalem is not going to have a temple in it. John said, I walked into this new Jerusalem and lo and behold, there was no temple therein. You see, God has a new plan. That doesn't mean that there isn't going to be a fulfillment of the temple that the man of sin is going to, that is going to be built for the man of sin to set into, the son of perdition. But ultimately, in this last part of the fulfillment of the 70,000 years, there's not going to be any temple. It's going to be done away with. And we see in the scripture that when God's, when John saw by the vision that the the Ark of the Covenant was not even on earth, that it was it was in heaven, meaning the Father's house, as described in the 14th chapter, 1st through 6th verses 
of of the of Saint John. We see that the tree of life has also been moved. There's not going to be a temple. Things are going to be changed. Because the Bible says the revelation and the spiritual light is going to be the father of lights. The father of lights is going to be there and he's going to light up every life and every heart and every spirit and every soul. And it's not going to be like anything there's ever been before. It's just absolutely superb and beautiful. And the sacrifices are going to be done away with. Hebrews 9.23, Hebrews 10.1, Isaiah 66.3, Psalms 51.16-17, Hosea 6.6, 6, Psalms 9.80, and... Uh, <clears throat> or, or pardon me, just Hosea 6.6 6 and Hosea 8.13-14. Now there's a lot more that will be said one of these days when we get into the, into the book of the Father's house. And it'll be an amazing time. It'll be an absolutely amazing time. You need to read that 68th chapter of Psalms about the Shinons, about the angels. Look up the word, you know. Because one day, according to Revelations 11.15, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of the Lord, which means until the, up to that point, they were not the kingdoms of the Lord. Other words, otherwise, the verb become, they could not become, become because that is expressing that they were something else before they became. So the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that the earth will become an outpost to the Father's house. Will become an out, outpost. And this is all part of the plan of Isaiah 51, where the Bible is telling us that we're going to plant the heavens. And it's, it's, it's incredible. It's all connected to Revelations eleven twelve, where the Lord ascended to heaven in a cloud. Wow. Wow. There's flying angels out there. You check it out in the Bible yourself. Revelations eight thirteen. Revelations fourteen six. Angels preaching the everlasting gospel in the sky. You check it out. You check out Luke 24, you know, uh, 50, or uh, Luke 24, 50, I, I think that's right, I'm not sure of that, uh, verse uh, 24, 50 through 5, through 55, okay, Luke 24, 50, uh, and uh, through, through 55, where it tells about Jesus being carried, carried up into heaven. What do you suppose that was about? Well, you should, just by my ministering and everything, begin to understand that. You should begin to understand Ephesians six twelve, that we wrestle not not against flesh and blood, but we're dealing with, with you know, principalities and powers, and and God has given us a prophet a, a prophecy through Christ, that what Jesus has seen, we are going to see. Luke ten eighteen, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. 
that's going to happen. We are going to uh, be be the sheep that are going to be riding uh, as horse riders the white horse. And the holy wars are going to be happening, but God is going to be delivering his people in beautiful, beautiful ways. Now, there are all kinds of incredible revelations. And there, the Word of God has so many beautiful things. Like, I think I shared with you just briefly the revelation uh, in Exodus 24.10 of this paved sapphire stone. And um, that is, you know, that's the power of, of word, the power of a name. It's, it's the power of, of a name. And, and uh, this sapphire uh, is such a powerful revelation because it, um, you know, it, it, it was in the uh, part of, of, of the breastplate. It was in the second row. Uh, in the New Jerusalem is, is shown as the in the second foundation. It it has a special meaning. It means more than just sapphire. And we got to get we're going to get more and more into the meaning of these words. That is all part all part of Akka, which is the revelation of Akva, which is the revelation of the lost kindred of Yahweh. And the the teachings, and we can show over twenty books that it, the Bible tells you to read that you can't read because they're lost. So don't someone saying there's nothing lost. You don't know what you're talking about if you say that. God is dealing with His people to really get into the understanding that the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. You begin to get the relevance when I say that the earth will be an outpost. It's the footstool. It's not the throne. The throne is in heaven. Isaiah 66, 1, 2. And the Father's house is described in heaven. And it is not like the heaven of heavens. It is a physical heaven. Like in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And the earth was the land and the terrain. And the heaven was the firmament, the atmosphere. We've got to get those things all down. All the colors of the rainbow can be found in the sapphire. And the sapphire is highly reflective. And there's all kinds of revelation there. Exodus 24, 10. Exodus 28, 18. And Exodus 39, 11. <clears throat> we start getting into this throne ministry revelation. Uh, I'll tell you what, it it brings us into incredible new revelation because this revelation on the pavilion, Psalms 18.11 and Psalms 27.5 and Psalms 31.20 and Jeremiah 43.10, 2 Samuel 22.10 and 11, uh, you know, are 11 and 12. And these are revelations about dark energy and dark matter and how that they are affected by the the first domain's effect and i was hoping to to get into that subject of the first domain but i i don't uh, think it's looking very likely that i'll be able to 
to get into uh, too much of it if I do. Uh, I was wanting to share with you, um, you know, this uh, revelation, uh, you know, that that is uh, just really beautiful about the uh, the myrtle trees. Um, it uh, is quite a story to get into that. It's probably too much at this point to try to get into. Uh, it, it is a beautiful revelation. But I think I better just save that and uh, go on with, uh, you know, some of these uh, other uh, important teachings that uh, we need to do uh, out of the book, you know. So let's... Um, Let's just continue here. We've got a little time. Uh, and let's start looking here in the book. Um, we want to we wanna look at, um, you know, um, we, we want to go to dimensions or God's thoughts. Let's start on God's thoughts, page 53. So go to page 53. God's thoughts. How precious are your thoughts, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than than sand. More in number than sand. Wow. Psalms 139, 17 through 18, paraphrased. Wow. Before there were beginnings and endings, I'm skipping the subtitle, of mortal life, before there were new things of the to be and the old things of the was. Yes, before there were perishable things, there was perpetuity, and that perpetuity was and is the never ending of life. And the never-ending life generates from the virtues of the invisible ultimate God, the I Am. The invisible ultimate God, the I Am, has always been, and there has never been an ever, that God, the I Am, was not. Nevertheless, I Am's life is not just a state of being. I Am's life is a consciousness and a conscientiousness of soul, spirit, and person. In the always which was before all beginnings, there was only I Am. But to say only I am does not mean that God the I am was alone. For God the I am dwells in the potential of all life, a perpetual and non-perpetual existence. Metaphor for it is Hebrews 7, 8 through 10. I am dwells and lives perpetual perpetuations in the glorious coordinates of M's mind world of multiple and manifold personifications of multiplex self-oneness. In the personification of I am self-oneness, each personification is as a messenger or signal of manifoldness, describing many attributes of God or attributes of M's Most Highness. So then there are endless volumes of messages or expressions of I am's manifoldness that abound regarding I am's Most Highness. Blessed are they who can perceive these words. Blessed are they who believe these words. For such are they who will be received into the higher foreverness. When the word messenger is rendered from the Greek languages, form into the English, English, formed into the English language form as the word angel, a potential revelation is transcendentally manifested. One could say the angel fold or the personifications of God I Am's first presence as the resulting messenger attributes of the invisible ultimate God also allows for the understanding that in a certain relational sense, the invisible ultimate God, who is the Word, as in the streaming of many flowing messages, 
John 1.1, 1, 1, is a manifold of many angels and self-personified and co-owned, an angel-fold of manifold presence. Understand the invisible ultimate God, the I Am, is intrinsical and uh, apperceptional. And being of endless magnitudes, I am uh, I am's holy angel personifications. The I am being is complete within the angel fold of the first presence. Therefore, the personifications of I am self-oneness are manifestations of embodiments of am's virtues within am's person of being. In the supramind consciousness of I am, when an intellectual part that is a part of God's mental unction becomes so pronounced, I hear this, in, in expressing a personification, that part, then also being a part of God's entity, nevertheless, by being unique of character, can through that uniqueness take on a personified presence of that character as if it was a distinct and separate entity, although yet being a coordinated part of God I am's entity. Don't ever think that God is lonesome or that God has ever been alone. God as God, and this is what this incredible revelation is describing, has always lived in the world of his mind. And in the world of his mind, it is so manifold and diversified of the many parts of turning that within the the potentiality and the actuality of that event of life as certain aspects of his personality or of his manifoldness uh, reaches a pronounced point in expressing a personification, that part, which is still a part of God, can nevertheless become as though an independent part of God's entity. And by being unique of character, can through that uniqueness take on a personified presence of that character as if it was a distinct separate entity, although yet being coordinated, being a coordinated part of God. So in the in the God kingdom, in the God mind, as within himself, whether there was ever any other creation creatures ever ever created to overcome within the perfection of his own self, within the mind of his own multiplenty of being and manifold of being, as all these parts of, of his thoughts, which are more than the sands of the sea, take on unique personifications so distinct that it's like when the Bible says he divided the flames of fire, that the flames of fire of this energy is divided within, and it becomes a personification. And as a personification, it can think, it can praise, it can worship, it can respect, it can honor, it can glorify the Almighty, invisible God, of which that entity of which I speak is a part of. Now, I know this sounds deep and dense and, and almost too much to comprehend, and that's because we are revealing something about God that 
is rare to have ever to ever be revealed on earth. And how that God was a world of mind unto himself, and he's always been. And he's always been of such a vastness of multiplicity that within him own, own within his own self, the cells of himself, so so to speak, would sort of divide and become additional entities. And this actually happened within the angel fold of of Am's of Am's first presence. So, page fifty-five, the second paragraph down, in the angel fold of Am's first presence abides the holy angel of life virtue, the holy angel of divine light virtue, and the holy angel of love virtue. There are three different separations of personification that have become as a individual select presence of God that can communicate with God, can worship God, can praise God, can talk with God, called the angel fold. And one is the holy angel of life virtue, the holy message of life virtue, the holy angel of divine light virtue, and the holy angel of love virtue, of love virtue. The first presence angels, and these are what's called first present angels. Now, they are different from any of the other angels. These are angels that were perfect from the very beginning of creation. They didn't have to overcome anything because they were all within the realm of the first domain and all within the manifold, uh, multifold of the energy of God. And they, they uh, having a unique essence, uh, begin to multiply that essence into a distinct personality and then, like the dividing of the flames of fire, become a personification of distinction, yet nevertheless as though co-owned to God and still a part of God because they were part of God. And in that division, there was the division of the holy angel of life virtue, the holy angel of divine light virtue, and the holy angel of love virtue. First present angels, that's who, what they were called. Now, this is such a revelation that, that people should be shouting because where would you go? Where, where has there ever been any place? I don't know of any. I'm not saying there can't be, but that has taught this kind of revelation so that you can have an insight into the first domain. The first present angels are I am aura, soul, core angels. Now, what is the, the aura, soul, core? This is the intracentrum, the very divine innermost center part of God, which is the soul. This is with a capital. And the aura soul is the ultimacy of his divine light and presence that is all part of the encapsulation of that soul it is the very aspect of God that is the ultimate God. And he's surrounded and enfolded in many glories. But this is the intracentrum, the very innermost being of God. And that is what the oracor soul is. And the oracor 
and the and and the invisible God never leave the first domain. Not in the first presence. Now, the first presence I've described it. It has many angel folds within it. That's the first presence, and it never leaves the first domain. When it the aspect of God does leave the, the first domain, it leaves it as a ghost. It leaves it as a ghost. And that's where we get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the ghost of the God, the invisible God, the I Am of the first domain. That is the ghost of the first domain. Now, these are perhaps understood better as essences. Now, in the physical world, the Bible talks about there are physical things that are patterns of the heavens. So, we could say that smoke and the smell of smoke is the ghost of fire. We could say that fog and water vapor are the ghost of water. We could say that sound and like footprints or prints are the ghost of animal creatures. And that the Holy Ghost impression is the ghost of God, the first domain's spirit, as I said. And that shade, S-H-A-D-E, shade is the ghost of the sun. And that cumulus nimbus clouds are the ghosts of the oceans and the bodies of water because they're what brings their rain clouds. And that the uh, presence, or pardon me, the pressure of, of, of wind is the ghost of air, as weather, as weather is the ghost of the environment. Now there's some insights that begin to get you in this understanding of a different meaning of, of ghost. They're like an essence. And and the Holy Ghost is 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 a a spiritual essence, you know. It can be symbolically manifested uh, in a in a spiritual way. The the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost are the same thing, but in two different degrees of magnitude. When the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, that does not mean that all things are equal with everybody who receives the Holy Ghost because being filled has the potential of a differentiation of the quality of capacity for intake. Some people might just have a little small capacity and they could be filled with the Holy Ghost, but it's just a little small capacity. Other people have a much larger capacity, so they have more Holy Ghost. Now, when... The Holy Spirit is, in proper use as the Holy Spirit, is talking about this essence of God. But really when the word Holy Ghost is used, that is when uh, a greater magnification of the Spirit has reached a point that the Spirit can personify. Like when it came down over Jesus as a dove. It personified as a dove. That was Holy Ghost. When it personified as the tongues of fire on the day of, Holy, of, the, of the Pentecost, that was Holy Ghost. 
And there are different, different other examples in the Bible uh, of the Holy Ghost as versus Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Although they are a, a graduating uh, uh, difference, uh, either diminutive or, or uh, crescendoingly uh, different, uh, they are still of the same basic energy. And, and it just has to do with, with uh, the uh, quantity. And that's where the difference between Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost is. Now, I know there would be preachers and, and you know, people out there say, oh, that's ridiculous. That's exactly the same word. Yeah, that's what you think. That's just because you don't know. And if they're exactly the same word, why do we have two different words? And why has it stayed on so long? And I suppose someday they'll probably get rid of the word ghost because all they can think of is a human ghost. And, and, and they'll think that that's a disgrace to, to leave it. Okay, so uh, we're, we're, we're moving along here. <clears throat> we have covered some of the thoughts of God and how in the first domain they are capable of becoming personifications in the angel fold. Um, we have just, uh, we've gone into some explanations of the Holy Spirit called the Holy Ghost. Um, I don't know if we really have time to get into dimensions, page 57, uh, but we could go to page 57. And um, 57 is about the first domain. And in the uh, bottom to middle part of the page, it, it shows these uh, four black strokes that widen out at the bottom. And uh, it, this is described as the energy of God without oracle dominance, but as the spirit enters physical infinity. And um, let me try to explain this. The I am oracle, soul essence, at various levels of influence, is this little dotted line, around, you know, uh, around. It is the outline indicative that indicates where the dominant influences of the oracle soul withdraws and instead projects its spirit or ghost essence of influence. In other words, the first domain influence is so um, huge of influence and a, a proportion that if it was just allowed to totally be dominant, then uh, there would be no way of any kind of resistance and the possibility of anybody ever exploring their own will would not be possible. So God limits the sphere of that uh, influence of the first domain uh, and, and keeps it just outside uh, and allows a free zone a free zone where people uh, can experience, uh, you know, the the uh, zone effect uh, and its its uh, dominant intensities, uh, but that uh, uh, they have to, by the will, by their will, desire to have it, and uh, and and then that would allow the the uh, dominance uh, to uh, uh, by spirit to enter the physical infinity. Um, when we read down here uh, where it says uh, in this uh, little group of, of one of the four, 
uh, outline indicates where the dominant influence of the oracle core soul withdraws and instead projects its spirit or ghost essence of influence between the spiritual and the physical infinitives. Um, you can see that there is a projection between the physical and the spiritual. And as to what the meaning of the word trail is, when you trail, it's getting into that vibration state where you are in between, uh, you know, the, the, the spirit of, of uh, the physical infinitive and the spiritual infinity. And the reason that that is really important and uh, substantially advantageous for people to trail and to get into that vibration is because uh, it, is a, it is like uh, when they talk about uh, these spacemen that go out into space and, and they find uh, a place where they're in uh, freedom from gravity and they just sort of float. Well, tra trailing is something that allows your spirit uh, to get in between these vibrations. It's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, dividing the flames of fire. You're sort of in between this uh, uh, in incredible uh, effect of the first domain and the incredible effect of the physical uh, in in uh, universe. And as a person trails and gets into that, which there's a whole teaching of how to do that, uh, it is a beautiful thing because uh, it, it allows you... Uh, you know, uh, it's the kind of energy effect that would allow you to walk through a wall, uh, to levitate. It's the kind of energy uh, that is a, a field all of its own, uh, which has uh, a power to change the lattices and a power to bring people into a spot that is, is just absolutely awesome. Well, I don't think we're going to be able to do much more. Uh, we're running out of time. But, you know, uh, <clears throat> Lord willing, next week on part f uh, uh, four, uh, part five, uh, we'll get into these other things of the virtual reality and the zero zone. Uh, uh, we'll get into the uh, maybe a little more of the oracore and the pluperfect and, and more, you know, of other constructions and hopefully maybe we'll get into the myrtle tree uh, and some other incredible teachings that I just want you to know and I want you to be able to have uh, there is so much in this book there is so much when when I I read it uh, it's it's like a trigger it, it just turns on in my spirit in my soul in my mind all of these things of understanding because it opens up dimensions it it enchants me with this love of God and I feel that my mind becomes full of the magnitudes of his glory full of the magnitudes of his love and I want this message of this book of the seven thunders to reach into your heart and as it begins to heal you and pour love into you, your lattice will change to a better good. While Janice playing the organ, I want to pray for you right now. I would like to remind you that we have a new book called Pearls of Writ. 
please get on there and take a look into that book. It would be an incredible book. I mean incredible to give out as a Christmas present. It's, it doesn't have, it's not just jammed with a lot of thick uh, Christian dogma or doctrine. And then I would ask you to pray for us. You know, we, we do have some people that are helping us. But, you know, it's this last several weeks, it was just a few hundred dollars that came in. And it's not very much to do all the things we're trying to do. Pray for us. If, if people would just think in terms of being consistent, instead of giving some big, huge amount, just give us 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 or 100 on a regular basis, once a month. Wow, we could do things with that. We love you, folks. I'm going to pray for you now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Heavenly Father, reach out into the people here today that are sick in body, that are, that are fighting depressions, that are fighting pain in their body. Reach out to them right now, Lord. Heal them. Heal them, Lord. And for people who are being pestered and plagued by the forces of darkness, by evil spirits, we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Command them to loosen their hold from these people. God bless you. We love you. Until we meet you on our website or next week in another teaching. God bless you. Amen.